Good morning. Today we will follow the order of service which is printed out in your bulletin. Our opening hymn this morning is Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain, hymn number 435. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come into your presence this day to seek your mercy, to hear your word, and to offer up our prayers and praises. Hear us for the sake of the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his atoning sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Amen. Our psalm for today is Psalm 130. And we will read this today together in unison. 
Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. In 1 John chapter 1, the Bible tells us, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us therefore confess our sins unto the Lord and look to him for mercy and forgiveness. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean and that we have sinned against you in our thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. We therefore flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. For the sake of Jesus' holy life and his atoning sacrifice on the cross, I announce unto you the grace and mercy of God, and in the name and the stead of Jesus Christ, our Savior, I proclaim to you forgiveness for all your sins through faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 940. Holy God, we praise thy name.
Our first scripture lesson for today is recorded in Isaiah chapter 40. beginning at the 18th verse. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretched out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing he makes the judges of the earth useless. Surely shall they be planted, or scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them, and they will wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly, fit, other, utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here ends our reading of the Old Testament lesson. Our gospel lesson for today is recorded in Matthew chapter 15, beginning at the 21st verse. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. 
Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We join in confessing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is found on page 192 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing hymn 580, The Gospel Shows the Father's Face.
the Word of God, which we consider today, is recorded in Romans chapter 3, beginning at the 19th verse. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Again, I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we pray again your Holy Spirit's blessing upon both the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we might see our utter sinfulness, but see that in our Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in his name, you count us righteous and acceptable in your sight. We pray that your Holy Spirit would enable us to take hold of our Lord Jesus and trust in him by faith, that we might be forgiven and adopted as your dear children. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the opening parts of Romans, especially Romans chapter one and two, and the first part of this chapter. And last week's message concluded with the first two verses of today's text. Now we, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And again, we have seen how when people reject the natural knowledge of God that they have, knowledge from creation, knowledge from their conscience, the remnant of the image of God, which has been corrupted in the fall. When people turn away and reject God, that God turns them over to their foolish ways and thinking. 
and it grows progressively worse as he turns them over as they reject the truth uh, to some of the depths of sin. But we've seen that not only those who reject God entirely are condemned by the law, but we see that those who have the law, those who are teachers of the law, even though they condemn these things, yet they're still guilty because in their heart they have evil thoughts. And they may not do some of the open, blatant sins which we are all quick to condemn, but we sin in other ways against God's commandments. And last week we heard what the scriptures say, that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you still think that by your works, by your church attendance, by the things that you do, that you can please God or be acceptable in his sight to raise your hand. Of course, Lutherans never raise their hands, so maybe I should say, if you believe that you are condemned by the law, raise your hand. Hopefully all your hands have gone up. If not, I maybe need to go back to the first chapters and preach on those things again, because the Bible is very clear, as the opening verses say, that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And if that would be the end of the message, we could all just as well go home because we all stand condemned by God's law. We're all headed to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. But St. Paul's letter goes on. The gospel is now preached. And again, this is the most beautiful part of the epistle to the Romans, really one of the most beautiful parts of the whole New Testament. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. And so there is, as we saw in the very beginning in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, there is a way to be counted righteous in God's eyes, even though we are not righteous. We are sinners. There is a way to become a child of God, to inherit the eternal blessings of heaven, to be a part, to be his people, apart from our own righteousness under the law, because none of us measure up. You know, it is as Jesus said in a Sermon on the Mount, you know, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, you are to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. That's what God's law demands. None of us measure up. But there is a way that we imperfect, sinful human beings can be counted righteous in God's eyes, and that is revealed to us through the writings of the prophets. 
Though technically the Psalms are not classified as a part of the prophets in the divisions of the Old Testament, certainly it is the writing of a prophet. And in Psalm 130 today, we read of God's mercy and forgiveness. You know, if God were to keep track of our sins, none of us could stand, but there's forgiveness with him that we might fear or honor him. And then it tells us why that he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And of course, we know that is not anymore just a promise of what is to come. It has been fulfilled. Jesus Christ, God's son, came into this world and has redeemed us from all iniquities by going to the cross and paying the price for all our sins. And so, the Old Testament scriptures, all the way back from Genesis 3.15 on through, promise a righteousness which is by faith. We'll talk about it in future sermons. What about Abraham? How was he justified? It wasn't by his works, but Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so Abraham was justified by faith. And so it's been witnessed by the law and the prophets, by the Old Testament scriptures, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And who does his righteousness upon? It is to all and on all who believe. And so all who believe, all who trust in Christ, all who have faith in Jesus' holy life, his innocent sufferings and death are counted righteous in God's eyes because God has promised in his word Forgive our sins when we look to Christ and trust in his atoning sacrifice. It says, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now here is where some of those in our sister synods, if we want to call them sister synods, but in other Lutheran synods have erred because they take this passage and they say, well, all have sinned, and certainly all have sinned. But then they say, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And they say that everybody is justified. But they take this completely out of context. In fact, even out of the very sentence that is in, because it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his, in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so in the sentence before, depending how you divide the sentences, but in the sentence before, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe makes very clear it is upon those who believe, those who have faith. And the continuation of that sentence makes clear that it's talking about those who have faith and not everyone being justified. And what it talks about, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Really what it's talking about is whether you are a Jew 
and have been circumcised, or whether you are a Gentile and have not been circumcised, you're saved in the same way. We're all sinners. We're all condemned by God's law. We've all come short of the glory of God. But all of us who have faith in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, are justified freely because of what Christ Jesus did. And of course, this passage teaches us very plainly that this justification, this forgiveness which God gives and credits to us, has been earned, not by us, but by Jesus Christ. That Jesus earned this righteousness for us by keeping all of God's commandments perfectly, again, in his thoughts and his desires and his words and his actions, something I can't even really begin to grasp being able to do, but he did that for us. And then he took all of your sins in thoughts, desires, words, and deeds, and all my sins upon himself, and he suffered our punishment when he was crucified and died on the cross, forsaken by God the Father. And for the sake of Jesus' shed blood, God justifies and forgives all who have faith in Jesus. And again, we read that this morning in our confession of sins. Why can we have forgiveness of sins? Because as it says, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can God forgive our sins? It is because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid for the sins of all, and therefore God is perfectly just and righteous when he forgives your sins, when he forgives my sins, because they've been laid upon Jesus. And when we look to Jesus in faith, God forgives our sins because they were punished there on the cross. And God counts us righteous because Jesus lived a holy, righteous, a holy and righteous life in our place. In our baptism, we are joined to Jesus in his death and resurrection so that his death is our death. He paid for our sins. His resurrection, his life, is our life. We are raised in newness of life, as Luther explains in his catechism. And this helps us understand verses 25 and 26, which, say, which says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Think about Adam. Think about Enoch. Think about Noah, think about Abraham, think about David, think about all the Old Testament believers. How could they forgive, have forgiveness of sins? How could God overlook their sins and forgive them and accept them as his children when atonement had not been made? This passage gives us the answer that God is righteous in forgiving sins because Jesus was coming to make atonement. And so because God's word is sure and his plan of salvation was sure and Jesus came and made atonement, God was perfectly just and righteous to 
forgive Abraham. You know, when he didn't trust God and he said his wife was his sister so that he would not be killed uh, for her. God was able to forgive David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed. Again, we can go on and on through the list of Old Testament saints who weren't saints of themselves, but are holy and righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can God be just when he forgives you and me? It says to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God's law says the soul that sins, it shall die. It demands death for the sinner. The Bible tells us so very plainly that if we, even if we were able to keep all of the law, and yet we offended in one point, we're still guilty before God. We're still sinners. The penalty is still eternal death and damnation. So how can God declare me a sinner, righteous and forgiven, and his child? It is because Jesus Christ made atonement for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the whole world when he died on the cross. And when I trust in Jesus, God doesn't look at my sins. They've been punished on Jesus' cross. God looks at me as clothed, not in a black robe, not even in a white robe that's all stained around the collar from the oils of my skin, but in a perfect white robe, the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God sees me as a saint, as righteous and holy in his eyes, not because of anything in me, but because of Jesus and what he did in my stead. And so God is just. He is just when he passed over the sins of the Old Testament saints, and he is just and righteous when he passes over your sins and mine and forgives us because they were paid for in the shed blood of Jesus. Where is boasting then? He says, it's excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. I can't help but think of the passage in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, those words that we probably all have memorized, where it says in chapter 2, verses Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And our salvation is not of our works. It's not of anything that we can do. It is all God's doing by sending his Son to atone for our sins, by sending to us the gospel and his Holy Spirit to bring us to trust in Christ and then pardoning and justifying us when we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 28 is kind of a summary verse of this whole section. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, apart or without the deeds of the law. And so by the law, we stand condemned, but we are justified through faith alone in Jesus Christ, and that's all God's doing. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, 
but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And so the one who seeks to be righteous and acceptable to God by his own works, you know, by his own church attendance, by the way he worships, by the things he does or she does, stands in his own righteousness, which comes short of the glory of God, and stands condemned. But when one despairs of his own righteousness and realizes he is an utter sinner, and he looks to the perfect righteousness of Jesus and to his perfect atonement for the sins of the whole world, he is counted righteous. He has forgiveness. And what a beautiful thing that on the last day when we stand before God and all the books are open, and maybe the devil even has his boxes of dot matrix printer paper with the whole entire list of Pastor Maul's sins, they're not going to be recited. They've all been paid for in the shed blood of Jesus. And God has declared me forgiven and righteous. And so in the first chapters of Romans, we see how, you know, the charges are being made. You know, we like to look, you know, well, I didn't commit murder, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, so therefore I'm pretty good. And then all of a sudden Paul says, you know, you who condemn these other people, you've done the same thing in your hearts and minds, your thoughts. You who depend upon your own circumcision or your own baptism as your work, you're still guilty before God. But then we hear the gospel, that we who cannot measure up, we who come short of the glory of God, are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus when we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ for mercy and forgiveness. He says, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And so it's not by being a Jew, being circumcised, and keeping the law that we're acceptable to God, nor is it by being baptized and being confirmed and going through all the right motions that we are justified before God. We are justified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter whether we're Jew or Gentile, we're all justified in the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's why Jesus said, you know, no one can come to the Father but by me, and why the scriptures tell us that, you know, there's no name under heaven whereby one must be saved but the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Our text concludes then, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. The law is established. It's been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law. And indeed, there's nothing wrong with the law. If we could keep the law, it would justify us. The problem is with you and with me. The law is just and right and good. 
we don't nullify the law. It's been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. He kept it for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. And so the law is established, but we are justified apart from our works under the law. We are justified by Jesus' works under the law. And so we've seen how far short we come. We've seen our guilt. But how beautiful it is to know that there is a way to be counted righteous and acceptable to God apart from our works under the law. That is through faith in Jesus who kept the law for us. God grant us such faith and keep us in that faith unto life everlasting. Amen. I ask you to please rise, and if you would turn in your hymnals to page 192, we sing the offertory. continue by bringing forward our offerings. ask you to please stand and join in our prayers. Merciful Father, for the sake of the shed blood of your Son, Christ Jesus, forgive us for our failing to walk by faith in the promises of your word. Move us to read and study our Bibles regularly and to come before you with our petitions and praises.
keep us from being overcome by our sinful inclinations and preserve us in the true and saving faith unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. O Christ Jesus, eternal Son of God and our Savior, you gave your life for ours when you died on the cross and made atonement for our sins. Bless the work of our pastors and of faithful pastors and missionaries everywhere, so that your life-giving word might be proclaimed among us and among the nations and peoples of the world, and those who hear might repent of their sins and look to you and your cross for pardon and forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. O Holy Spirit, do not forsake us because of our weakness and disobedience to your word. Be patient with us and move us to continually repent of our sins and look in faith to our Savior for mercy. Teach us from your word. Strengthen and keep us in the true and saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. O loving and merciful God, our nation and people are living in darkness and are under your wrath and judgment. Open the eyes and ears of our people and rulers that they might see and hear the truth of your word, repent of their evil deeds, and fall down at the feet of Jesus, pleading for pardon and forgiveness, and then seek to walk in your ways that your judgment may be turned away and your eternal wrath against us be averted. Lord, in your mercy. O healer and preserver of both our bodies and our souls, as you have promised, we ask you to provide for all our needs of body and soul and preserve us from all harm and danger and all evil. We lift up to you those among us who are afflicted. We remember especially today, Linda, Joyce, Matthew, Carl, Carly, Kathy, and all others we name in our hearts. Have mercy upon us, grant healing to the sick, comfort to those oppressed, and strength for all to endure the troubles and afflictions of this life in the hope of everlasting glory for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 567, Not What These Hands Have Done. Thank you. 
For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given unto death for all your sins and the Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace take and eat this is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given unto death for all your sins Savior Jesus Christ shed for the remission of all your sins.
I ask you to please stand. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. yourself the guilt and punishment for all our sins and making full atonement for us by your perfect sacrifice on the cross and we thank and praise you for giving us to partake of your one holy sacrifice that we might also or that we might be made that we might also partake of the blessings won for us by your death and made sure to us by your glorious resurrection the forgiveness of all our sins and the promise of eternal life. Strengthen and keep us in the true faith and move us to live our lives for you while we await your glorious return and the joys of your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You may be seated. We close by singing hymn 923. 
Almighty Father, bless the word. Announcements are in the bulletin. Uh, simply a reminder that Wednesday evening we continue our online Bible, Bible study in the book of Hosea. We're uh, getting almost about halfway through in Hosea chapter 7. And I'll send out that Jitsi link on Wednesday. And then today we have a congregational meeting uh, followed by a potluck and I invite you all to stay for that. Any other announcements this morning? If not, again, God's gracious blessings to you and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you.
turn this on. 